This is the Easy Buckets Podcast. podcast formerly known as sideline trap podcast uh we're back and we're on our own coach what's up yeah uh we're you know mixing it up trying to turn a different look here it's been a minute it's been a while we're back it's going to be a lot of the same stuff two high school coaches just chopping it up about different topics get some guests and let's have some fun let's get it all right today's episode we're talking about the five keys to transition basketball we each got a couple, and in full transparency, we tried to play fast last year. Oh wait, we got news. Oh, we, we got an, news. There's an update. There's an update since we played since <laughs> we last. Okay, so since we've last gotten together, uh, you have left Blue Ridge, I did. Uh, or, or stopped. I should say you have stopped or had to stop your role as a head coach. Yeah. And you have joined my staff, bro. When our powers combined. <laughs> we are Captain Planet. That's it. That's it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, t- I took a I took a job change and I couldn't continue to coach. I couldn't make the, the commitment to coach. So I was talking to you about it and you were very gracious and offered me the opportunity to help out. And that was, I mean, it's been great. I've, I've enjoyed it. How can you pass it up? If a head coach comes and says, hey, can I help out? And you say yes. That's, that's what you I do. mean, I was appreciative. You know, he's keeping me, keeping me doing the thing I like to do. Well, that was the big news. That was big. That was the big news. Now back to what I was saying. <laughs> we tried. We we did. Well, we did. We did play fast last year, and it was messy a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, we learned a lot. Yeah. And we'll probably talk about some of that while we're going through our keys here. Um, but we each came up with five keys to transition basketball. Do you want to kick us off? Sure. Yeah. Um, I would just like to say that there's. The beautiful thing about this is there's more than one way to get the job done in every topic, it seems like. There's always a different way to get it done. Um, So for me, number one uh, on the list of trying to be successful in uh, playing at a little bit of an upbeat tempo would be just a commitment to running the floor. It sounds stupid, but it's to ingrain a commitment into running is diff- it's a difficult thing to get done, but it's necessary to actually achieve the level you need to achieve. And I say it's difficult because I feel like I tried to, I, you know, in my past endeavors with trying to play fast, I felt like I only achieved that properly to my expectation, like once. The rest of the time it was bad, it was good, but it wasn't actually gotten done. And I think mainly it was a commitment to running that held us back. And you're talking like, a, the, like a player's commitment, to run, <clears throat> correct? Right, like, yeah, like yeah. The player's, player's willingness to get down the floor. Yes, like ingraining that is is a difficult right. task. Well, it's hard, and we we had some of this last year, right? It's hard to explain to a kid that sprints the floor as hard as he can or she can every time, and maybe only scores one out of those fifteen times that he runs the floor. So it's hard to get them to see value in that. Right, and I think that's uh, that's. 
running of the floor with the offense that I used to put my team in position, it, like I used to instill, would I felt like those two things went hand in hand because if you are running the floor hard all the time, and I'm asking you to, and you don't touch the ball, that's a little bit demoralizing, I feel. So the offense that we tried to instill is like, make sure everybody touches it. Everyone's going to touch it at some point. You, you're going to get an opportunity. And I felt like it was important to do that to maintain their commitment to running. Whether or not it worked, I don't know. Do you think, and maybe it's different, right? Because I don't remember if you had a true big, big guy. But one of the things that I always heard when I was playing was if the big fella's running the floor, you damn sure better give him the ball. Feed him. You got to feed him. Right? Because it's, it's, like it's, like it's like the guards, yeah, we need you to run the next 20 possessions as hard as you can, and you might get the ball once. Right. But if big fella runs 20 possessions, you better give him that ball 20 times. you got to feed the beast. I don't know why it's like that. Probably, <coughs> I don't More know. More weight to carry around. Like, I it's, guess. It's, it's got to be harder to get up and down the floor the bigger you are. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I, you're, 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 if you're a big person, you're like in more physical play more often. You're in the paint, you're banging, you're blocking out, you're, you know, like, generally speaking, you're in more physical play, so physically, it's a little bit harder to feed it, you know? That's probably it, right? Because you, in, in in true Easy Buckets podcast fashion, big fellas don't get a lot of easy buckets. No, nah, So if you can get them out in transition and get them a layup 20 times in a row, you better get them a layup 20 times in a row. We used to call, like, uh, 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 we would have a, we would just call touchdown. So if, if anybody... But generally, it was if the big guy was ahead, you'd call touchdown. Like the players on the bench would call it. That would notify whoever had the ball. Check deep, because and it was if the touchdown was called, it was almost guaranteed the ball's getting thrown. <laughs> like <laughs> for better they, or worse. Yeah, yeah. If they heard it, like so, if you're calling it, you better be sure because they don't see it. But if you call it, boy, that thing's going. And that was kind of the idea. It's like they are running hard. Give them an opportunity to get an easy bucket. That was, so interestingly enough, again, we probably have a lot of the same keys, but that was one of mine, but I had the willingness to always sprint the floor. How, look, I, I mean, I don't think I have the proper answer for this, maybe you do, but like, how do you get that done? What are some ways to get that done? Because it's a big, I think it's one of the biggest obstacles. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it's, um, it's drill work. I think you drill it a lot. I think you you focus on it. It's just like anything else, right? When you spend your time, you're gonna get results. So if you focus on it, you drill it. But even more than that, even if if I'm a, if I'm a guard and I run the floor hard five times in a row and I don't get the ball, right? And whether you can tell the kid is upset or not, you need to do a, jo- a good job as a coach explaining to him, her, the entire team that there's still value in that, and they need to see the big picture as opposed to the small one where I'm running. Oh, I didn't get it. I didn't score. Well, no, but you running the floor made the defense shift, and now let big fella coming down the middle get a layup, right? And I think that's the biggest part of it is having them see that 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 larger picture. The, some of the more successful years that we ha- we had with it was when I had an aggressive ball handler, and we if we ran hard, it would it would you know flatten the floor out and spread spread the defenders out well enough for for that aggressive ball handler to go to work, and create or you know get a basket himself but it just made that that easier and it was easy to explain that then because he was aggressive and you could see it right away what it what you running the floor hard was doing that was easy to see but then there are other years where 
like a less aggressive ball handler, maybe a younger kid especially, right? Where it's not so easy to see right away, and you gotta t- you gotta continue to be like, hey, you gotta continue to run the corner. It is important. You try to explain it, but it's just a little more difficult when you don't see that result like immediate. Yeah, and and, and interestingly enough, mentioning the ball handler. So one, of the, I'll I'll segue into one of my keys was, I think in order to play or have an effective transition game, and a lot of coaches probably don't think this. I think you need a point guard. Like you need you need a quarterback, right? You need a guy that, and you can play fast without one. But to be really effective, you need a quarterback at the point guard position that can get that ball inbounds and get it to the right spot and make that pass. And 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 a, and a point guard that can understand that if I if I give the ball up here, or I pass it here, or I dribble to this side, we might not necessarily get. A basket out of it right away, but but what does that do to the backside now, right? right. So I th- one of my keys is having that point guard, having that quarterback, um, and allowing him or her, um, whether it's like you said, a, an aggressive ball handler that can get downhill and get to the rim. That's always that's always great, but I think you need that quarterback, that that Tom Brady for lack of a better term, that can just pick a defense apart. One of my keys as well was I wrote down commanding point guard. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> I mean that's exactly that's exactly what it is. It, it makes the whole thing makes the whole thing go. And I always put a lot of pressure on the point guards. Like I was lucky enough to have a couple solid players at the point position, and also some younger kids, freshmen, sophomores, that would like try to groom into that spot. So you don't have to throw them hundred percent into the fire. But they had someone ahead of them who did the job well, right. and you, they, they could learn a little bit from that. And then also, that person, that point guard, gets a lot of heat from me, a lot. Like that, unfortunate for that kid maybe, but they're getting coached hard right. because they are running the show, and that is their responsibility. And if things go south, you're part of the issue here most of the time. That's, you- it's really true for me. Do you, I'm kind of taking this uh, a, a sidetrack a little bit. Do you think it is? Do you think a point guard is more valuable for a transition team or a half court team? I don't know if I can answer it properly, but I'll say this: when we would when we would r- try to run, the ball was in most of the time his hands to start, and then if that went south and we needed somehow some sort of reset, like we I didn't call a lot of sets, but if we did need a reset. A lot of a lot of priority on you getting back to the ball there too. So a lot of more pressure on that kid there too. Right. So I don't know if I can answer your question, but I would say that kid had a lot of pressure on him at all times for me. Half court transition, all of it. That makes sense. I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know where it's more valuable. It's probably even, but in different in different manners, right? I mean, you still need a commanding point guard to be able to run a half court set. Yeah. Um, you do the same thing for transition, so maybe it's just the same value, but but in a different a different way. When you're transitioning, like things are happening a little bit faster. So, but when you're in the in the half court, that person has you you see it you see it a lot. Like kid catches the ball, hips the ball, and is pointing to the block or <laughs> directing traffic essentially. And for me, that person was the point because that person that's their job. They were made to direct traffic. And so you see it in the half court a lot, but just different speeds of the same responsibility, I guess, essentially. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't have to have a point guard to run it, run anything, really, but, boy, it does help Our when sense. that person 
knows that their responsibility is to make it happen. Right, right. Moving on to the, the next key, I'll jump into my next one. And I was the first one I wrote down, the first one that came to mind, rebounding. If you're going to run, you have to rebound the ball. And it, it, everything ties in, right? You need defensive stops, but you need to finish defensive possessions with a rebound. You cannot, you cannot run effectively on just made baskets. And we, we saw that firsthand this past year. Not on just made baskets. See, this is where this is where I think we disagree a little bit. You can, I think you can run very effectively on makes, just not all makes. Right, right. <laughs> like you can't just rely on on the fact that well they put it in, so now we have to go do it. You can't do that. Yeah. But I think I'm of the opinion that you can run very effectively off makes, and I that was one of my keys too: rebounding, make or miss. And that's one of the things this past year that that thankfully you brought to the table. Because I've always struggled with running on makes, but I mean, you are—you make a valid point. Why can't you run on a make? What's the difference? You said it before. Say anything you drill, you're going to get better at. So, the things you're not good at, probably you're not drilling. And I, I will speak to that personally about a lot of things. But defense being one, my teams I, I was coached were never that great defensively, and that's because I didn't put the emphasis there. But one of the things we did put emphasis on was. Rebound, not letting the ball hit the floor. Yeah, if the ball hit the floor, it's wasted time, and you're trying to get up the floor faster with def- defenders' backs to you. Well, you're giving them an extra second or two if you let the ball hit the floor. Then you snag it off the floor, get out of bounds, get you know out of 45 behind the backboard. That all takes time. Right. If you can snag it right out of the net, boy, you are you are just saving yourself some val- valuable time to to advance it up the other end. That's a skill in and of itself. Is is we practice the, the hell out of rebounding it. We practice the hell out of it. Getting the ball in the net and uh, and inbounding it. Yeah, yeah, and there's a whole other complication that comes with that. For well, well, as we have both experienced, but like designating whose 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 job yeah. is that? That's a whole other thing that you have an obstacle that you have to overcome. But it is definitely, in my opinion, you can run effectively off off makes. You just can't live by it. <laughs> Well, you can't trade baskets. No. I mean, you eventually, no. you're going to need stops. Like yeah. I said, rebound. I, I think if you can rebound the basketball effectively, it's just you might as well run because you've already done half the work. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. I also th- thought the ability to move on, like the next play mentality, is huge for running. Um, if you're not, like, if you're mentally not able to just let it go and move on, you are going to be stuck in the mud. You're going to get scored on. So if you get scored on, if you hang your head, if one player gets stuck in that mentality, it really screws up the whole the whole thing. It's so important for all the players to just be like, well, it happened and it's done, on to the next play, and our next play is we got to get down to the other end and try to get a bucket. Right, just do your next job. Yeah, and, and that could be said for, I think, every aspect of the game and probably life. But specific to what we're talking about today, I think it, it is a big, it can really hamper a team if you don't have that ability to move on. That's one of the areas I think we were decent at last year. I think so too. It's just moving on. And part of it is because we were poor defensively, so we did probably want to forget it. Also true. <laughs> but I think moving on in the next play, especially out of one or two guys, uh, and you probably know exactly who I'm referring to, but out of one or two guys that just had a willingness to just forget about it and move on and do my next job. Yeah, yeah, and like, <clears throat> you can make it a whole thing. Like, there were there are a couple kids on, on on your team this past year that they just didn't have that ability. 
they just they could not overcome a negative outcome. Yeah. So something that ha- either happened to the team or to themselves individually, they just could not overcome it, and it really hurt them. They they couldn't see it, um, and that takes I guess it just takes time to come to the conclusion that you have to be able to do it. It's just like anything else, I guess, right? You have to drill it. I guess so. Yeah. The uh, the next one that I have is passing the ball up the floor. We we've all learned at a very young age, right? Every 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 kid that plays basketball has been at some camp where a coach lines up the kid next to him and somebody down, you know, at half court and says, "Okay, you dribble that ball to half court and I'll throw it." And which one gets there faster? Right, we'll time it. Right, <laughs> right. Which one's going to get there faster? So we've all seen it, but I think I think a, a and part of it again is going back to that that point guard, that quarterback. But you need to get the ball up the floor by the pass as much as you possibly can and then you can we can try to attack really get it up by the dribbles the last resort in my in my mind i yeah i I agree that was always that was always my philosophy is try to throw it throw it ahead and again because of all the the pressure i put on the point guard we would throw it ahead and if there wasn't anything there the point is still running he's catching up to the ball or yeah catching up to the play so He's going to be back in the mix pretty quick, so we're not spending a lot of time without the ball in our playmaker's hands or your, you know, your floor general or whatever you want to call it. But the ball would be coming back to him quickly. So I was never averse to like throwing it ahead because of that. Like we're not missing out on the playmaker having the ball all that much, and I think it 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 does such a great job of just it reminds the defense that you're always on the attack. If you throw the ball ahead, it's like that guy who was the first man back defensively, and the plays behind him. Well, man, like you're all, you always have this sense of like you have to catch up to the play, and it just keeps pressure on the defense. I like I love the idea of throwing the ball ahead. Oh, it's just con- yeah, it's constant pressure. Constant, yeah. And you're in, and ideally by throwing it ahead, you're you're at a constant advantage. Right? Correct. I mean, if you're running the floor hard, you're getting that ball up. Hopefully, you got a two on. Oh, at worst, you have a one on one. Correct. Right. And this, and this kind of ties into my, uh, one of my keys too. Is like once it's thrown ahead, you you hear coaches say this all the time, and it's like it's so evident. But it's like a portion of the game that we just forget about easily. It's when you throw it ahead, or even in the half court, doesn't matter. Swing the basket, reverse yes. the floor, swing the ball. You've put all this pressure on. They're in recovery now reverse the floor and try it on the other side because everyone's recovering to where they have to be to where the ball ends up initially you know ends up in, on the initial throw ahead now you got to do it on the other side and that's difficult to do it takes a lot of communication it takes a lot of physical energy yeah like it's hard to do and we forget a lot of the time just to reverse the floor and in transitions one of the best times to do it because you have your defenders on the back foot you know you, you, sh- you would hope yeah, and the defense is so loaded. Correct. When it's so loaded, if you if you're in a transition, you got the ball on one side. The defense is so loaded to that side. If you can if you can reverse it quickly or even skip it, I mean, you're gonna get something. You're gonna you're gonna get again at worst. You're gonna get a long closeout on the weak side. Absolutely. And you can you can you can just reattack. Absolutely. It's tough to get that out of players, and we 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 did that. We had struggled with that last year, right? One of the things was we did a good job of playing transition basketball at 94 feet. Or in our case, eighty-five. Yeah, court, yeah, 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 right. But we didn't do a great job of playing transition fifty feet. You know, the the width, the yes. width of the floor. Yes, that's right. an excellent point. That's actually I never actually really thought about it in that sense. But like, you 
that's a great point. You put you can use the whole length, but don't forget to use the width at all times too. Right. Right. I never really I never really whether it's with about the ball or sense. even just filling in the backside. Correct. I mean, you got you have to when you run you have to use the entire floor. The more space you can create for you know offensively, the worse position the defense is in. You see it. You see it in the NBA now. How spaced is the NBA? It's crazy. My one of the one of the things is like my my wife says she's not she doesn't really understand basketball. She's so she but she watches a lot of it unfortunately for her. But uh, she says a lot like when I'm when the, an NBA game's on she's like oh they need to make the court bigger or raise the bat like no they don't they absolutely <laughs> they absolutely do not this works great they're they're large and they're explosive but it, it works fine this way because of things like the spacing that they are able to create they they're able to create a lot of space and it works great well it's the na- it's the it's kind of a natural progression of the game like guys are so big and so athletic like. Shoot so well, yeah. Spacing's got to get bigger. It's got to. Yeah, you got to walk out to thirty-five feet to pick up, pick up a shooter. That's a, that's a lot of space to work with behind them. My last one, um, and it's similar to what you said before, but a different meaning, right? I think you the key to being a good transition team is you have to commit to run. And what I mean by that is, if you're going to run in minute one, you need to commit and run in minute thirty-two. And whether that means you're going to turn it over in a bad spot. So be it. But we made a commitment to run the floor every single time. I have two, um, a couple of like memories. One one of w- was this last year. I don't remember the opponent, but at one point in the second half, we were down in the game, but you could see like the effect of they didn't want to play at the pace that we were trying to play. You could see the, it taking hold. Yeah, like, you could notice on the uh, on the opposition like they're wearing out a little bit. This isn't normal for them. Right. And it's not like we were like reinventing the wheel or, or playing at like an exceptional pace. It was just faster than they wanted to play, right. and they didn't like it. And I remember I saying to you and like or, or or your your other assistant, your assistant, like it's it's starting to work. Like we got to make sure we keep the pedal down. And then another instant, many instances uh, when I was at Blue Ridge was late in a game. It's not expected that you continue to do that. It's expected that you be very methodical oh, yeah. and, and you, know, you you call your set and you get your easy bucket. Well, that may be the expectation, but f- it wasn't for us. It was the same thing all the time, and that really paid off for us a lot. It probably hurt us too, but I don't remember those. I try to cast those bad memories <laughs> off to the side. But the, you know, there were a lot of instances where late in the game it'd be like, we didn't get out to it, we didn't get out to the guy, we closed him out too hard and he got an easy bucket because they continued to continue to keep the pressure on yeah, there's a fine line between when to pull that rope back and when to keep running and i think if you're going to commit to it you have to keep uh you have to keep running i do wonder though if part of that methodical approach late in games like i wonder how much how much effect a shot clock would have on that in, uh, in our state because if you only got even if it's 35 like I, I just I wonder I wonder how many more teams would try to get an easier possession if by chance there was a shot clock in our state, which we should touch on in a later episode because I got some thoughts. You can touch on it whenever you'd like. <laughs> I'm I'm here for it. I got some thoughts. <clears throat> I am here for it. Yeah, no, you, you bring you bring a good point. You know, would it would it would it change teams' approach if there was you know a time restriction? And I'm of the I'm of the belief like if it's like a 35 second, it's not going to change a whole lot. I think right. you're going to see. I think you'll see some more zone pressures, full court pressures, things like that. To tr- but I don't beyond that. I don't see it being taking. If it were you know 25 seconds, 
30 seconds even, I think it would change a little bit more. But even at that 35 seconds, that's an eternity, really, for for a possession. That's a long possession. 35, yeah, I mean, even even the slowest of teams would only come across that a handful of times throughout the year, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a, a statistic. Do you remember the Phoenix Suns from, like, the Steve Nash Phoenix Suns? Oh, yeah, seven okay. seconds or less. Yeah, yeah, that team. That team, I remember. Like, I remember when that team was popping. It was like, well, this is crazy. That team today would be the slowest team in the NBA. I think I, I, think I saw the same the same stat. That is, is mind blowing. Yeah, and like you know, it just proves it just shows that the game changes, man. The game changes. The interesting question is like, can it get faster? Like we thought, we thought the Suns were the fastest thing, and now they're like, the, now they'd be the slowest team in the NBA. Like, how much faster can you get? Interesting thought. Without getting. Terribly sloppy, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, where's that line? Where is that line? I think you bring up a good point too with with the the late game line too. Like that is a fine fine area to to try to determine on when to you know make a call or slow it up or let it ride. I think you have to you, you have to be able to do that as a team. Like you yes. have, and 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 we've seen it. Like you're gonna play transition basketball. Some teams are gonna do their best, and some teams will dictate the tempo and you got to be able to go and execute that 100 percent. yeah it doesn't always pan out in your favor it's hard you're gonna have to be malleable in in how you approach it that's for sure i don't know if there's like a a time or a a point value like if you're up or down by a certain number or the time left on the clock like i don't have those in mind i don't i wonder if it's almost like a lot of it is just how your team is performing late in the game more than anything yeah, I was gonna say it's it's feel, right? Like, right. Like, if I feel like we haven't executed in a half court set all game long, then no, I'm probably not gonna pull it out and try to run a delay. I used to actually, on this note, I like one of my first couple years, and I got, I went away from it for some reason. This just reminded me, but like early in my career, I would early in games call sets, and and we didn't call a lot of sets. I would call sets early in games. So that I could see whether or not we were going to try to, we were going to actually execute, especially in a game that I knew was going to be, you know, it was going to be a dogfight. So we could see early on, maybe what worked, what didn't work, who was feeling what, and then we could come back to something later in the game when it was necessary to do so. And I kind of went away from that, and you just reminded me of that. I, oh, really I think that's a pretty good idea. I should, I should, yeah, I should have stuck that out. <laughs> yeah, it would have helped. <laughs> No, that's that's actually really that's really smart to be able to see what 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 worked early because if you if you run it once or twice early and they work, they're not going to make it. The other team's not going to make an adjustment on it until you hit it three four times. You know what I mean? Like unless yeah. you see it repeatedly, it's it's highly unlikely at a high school level that a team's going to make an adjustment on the fly for something like that. Yeah, yeah, like and it, <laughs> or or it's highly unlikely that. Let's say let's say you ran a set. We played right. Yeah. You ran a set early twice in a row. Yeah. Right. You maybe it was like a post dive or something, and you got layup and layup. I call timeout and I say we need to double that. Right. Okay, coach, got it. And they go out there and you don't run it again for three more quarters. Are my guys really going to remember to double it? Zero percent. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> right. There's no way. Zero percent chance. I wouldn't remember it as a 35 year old guy. <laughs> like, I wouldn't remember that. Yeah. No, no. chance. No. no chance. I think that wraps up episode one. Yeah, a little short, a little shorter than before. I like the in and out. Well, that's it, man. Keep them short, keep them light, keep the listeners engaged.
Yeah, listen. Podcasting 101. <laughs> this is like a class. All right, Coach. Well, I'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, it's good hanging, man. Later. Later. Later.